This is the Moira Pentecostal Church podcast, providing you with sound biblical teaching. We hope you will be encouraged, challenged, and blessed by this ministry. You know, over the last few weeks, months, they've been doing on social media a lot of these 10-year challenges. I don't know if you've seen them, if you're on social media, where they take a picture from 10 years ago, and then you get a picture from this year, and you put them together and you all remark about how someone's changed or how someone hasn't changed. Um, I actually did it as a matter of curiosity. Uh, It turns out 10 years ago, I didn't take very many pictures. But there was a picture of me and, and Tony standing actually at the front of the church. The old wooden pulpit was here. And then I found a picture of myself, of course, probably the best picture I could find of myself. And I put them together and I looked at them and I thought, my, you know, 10 years, it's a long time. It's gone like that so quickly, so quickly. And I thought about my life and you can think about your own life, how your lives have changed over the last decade, how there's been things have happened, you know, how you might have spread out a little bit more how you might be a little bit grayer. Thanks, Sharon. (laughs) How you've changed and how you've, you've developed. You think about those places you've been, those things that you have seen, those experiences you've gone through. We've done so much traveling over the last couple of years and places we've been, and it's remarkable. I never imagined 10 years ago that I would have done the, the, the things I've done, have gone to the places I've gone. You think about those things that you've gone through, those great times, the the experiences with friends and with families. You also think about those hard times, those difficult times. If I had known 10 years ago that that was ahead, that would have been tough. You think about sometimes, I did at least, I thought about my spiritual growth. I thought about me as a, as a man, as a Christian, as a believer, as a follower of God. How have I changed? How have I grown? Because all these other things that we we're talking about, the changes and things we've done, places we've gone, going more grayer, you can only go so gray. They'll only happen, they happen a lot and frequently whenever you're in your teens and your 20s and your 30s and into your 40s. But some changes like that don't happen. Life gets a bit more sedimentary, gets a bit more patterned after that, which is fine. I'm not taken away from that. But we have to weigh and evaluate, or I did. I was compelled to weigh and evaluate how I had changed and grown as a believer. I'd ask myself, did I love God more now than I did 10 years ago? Did I read his word more now than I did 10 years ago? Did I have more faith now than I had 10 years ago? Did I believe him now stronger and greater now than I did 10 years ago? Well, for me, the answer was yes. There's the old, old song that he grows sweeter and sweeter as the days go by. Oh, what a love between my Lord and I. We can't answer that question for each other. We can't evaluate, oh, such and such has grown, such and such hasn't. We can't do that for each other. But we can do it for ourselves. 
And I started a new decade, as we all do. I started a new decade with more of a desire for him than I've ever had before. I want to know him more. I want to see him more moving in my life. I want to see the changes when I look back in a decade's time and I look back and I say, my, see how far I've come. I want to know him more. I don't want to just go through the motions, just play at this thing. I want to be fervent and passionate about him more at the end of a decade than I am today. It's something we all should hope for, that he would move us on, that we'd be drawn deeper into it, into him, to know him more, to know him better, to have the King of kings and Lord of lords in our lives, moving and shaking us. It's a difficult thing to to pray at times. He's going to move us, he's going to shake us, he's going to change us. But we should want that. I want to be more like him. I I want him way more like him. I don't know all that means, but I want to know him more. I want to know him better. Because the more I have lived this past decade, I have realized that there's a lot of baloney out there. There's a lot of rubbish out there. There's a lot of stuff that's fake and false. There's lies and deceits. I'm talking to people in my business and my work in 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 that world. And they're saying things and you're going like, you don't know what you're talking about. This will be gone one day. This seems so important to you. But what you're telling me is not real. It's not true. The more you look at the news, the more you look at TV, the more you realize there's so much fakeness and falseness out there. C.S. Lewis tells a story about going to heaven. And how he thought he was going to this place where everything was all ethereal. It was all cloudy. It was all fluffy. But he realized when he got there that that was what was real. And everything he thought was real was false. That was the clouds. That was the stuff that was getting blown away. The end of this next decade, I hope I know more of the solidness of heaven than I know of this world. We get too satisfied with these things sometimes. God wants us to grow. He wants us to develop. He wants to pull us into his kingdom. He wants to make us into the men and women of God that he's called us to be. I wish I was a mighty man of God. But I'm just me. But he invites us. He invites us to meet with him. He invites us to come on a journey with him. What did he say to the disciples? Follow me. Follow me. Follow me. Turn in your Bibles to Acts chapter 4. Acts chapter 4. Praise you, Lord. I actually want to want us to read one verse. You can go home and you actually can read uh, the passage around this. Even if you read it from uh, verse 5 on, but we're going to read verse 13, Acts 4, 13. But read the passage around this whenever you get home, before and after. It's a powerful passage. 
Peter and John had been in the temple and they'd, they'd, been, they'd healed a man. And the Sanhedrin and the, the religious leaders gathered them together and they challenged them and they were like upset. And verse 13 says, Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated and untrained men, they marveled. And they realized that they had been with Jesus. They realized that they had been with Jesus. They realized that they had been with Jesus. They had spent time with the king. They had spent time with the king of kings and lord of lords. They spent many years with him as he had gone on his ministry. We know obviously that Jesus was the king of kings and lord of lords. As I looked through the Bible to find a verse that would sort of tie that together, the best one I could come up with right away was Revelation 17, 14. It says, and these make war with the lamb and the lamb will overcome them. For he is the Lord of lords and the king of kings. And those who are with him are called, chosen and faithful. The title of my message this morning is The Presence of the King. The presence of the king. <clears throat> Things happen to us when we spend time with Jesus. When we spend time with the king. He'll open up a lot of things in our minds and in our hearts. He'll re- exp- we'll experience things and go through things that will change us. And I know Jesus now. I, I know him maybe through a glass darkly, but I want to know him more. So this is, a, this is a, a, a few points that I've found that we all can look at and we can consider and we can follow on. That we can take this on board for ourselves and go, I want Jesus. I want to spend time with the King. And you know what? I want people to know that I have been with Jesus. I want them to know that there's something different about me. I was talking to a member of staff. My, my boss actually called me randomly on Thursday and asked me to go to uh, Dublin. He said, Friday, Saturday, or Sunday. Saturday, Sunday, or Monday. Or Sunday, Monday, or Tuesday. And I was thought, my first thought was, that's just like the dirty devil, isn't it? <laughs> Sunday wasn't all of those. <laughs> I said to him, sorry, I can't do it. I can go for a couple of days, but I can't be there Sunday. Because I've got to go worship God. I got to come. And I was talking to another member of staff, and they, they were curious. They were saying, Oh, you're here three days? What day, three days? You're Friday, so you must be here Saturday and Sunday as well. I said, No, I'm not. And they said, Oh, then you must be here. Well, then, what are you going to be here? I said, Well, I'm here Friday and Saturday. And I said, I'll be back on Monday night. And I said, Why? That's interesting. And I said, Well, speaking in church on Sunday, I'm going to gather together with God's people to worship God. Amen. And she looked at me and went, Yeah, see, now that makes sense. Now that makes sense, she says. She says, I always knew there's something a wee bit different about you. You know what? I could have jumped when she said that. Glory to God. Glory to God. That's not my message, but my conversation isn't like other people's conversations. You know, my attitude is not like other people's attitudes. Thank God for it. So she's seen something. I'm glad. I pray that as as this decade goes on, that there'll be more about me, that people will take note that they'll, they'll put two and two together. Once I say to him, I go to church, ah, now you've put your finger on it. Now I know the difference. Spending time with the king makes all the difference. 
The first point today is that you enter the presence of the king as you are. You enter the presence of the king as you are. The disciples came to Jesus and they followed Jesus and they didn't all follow him for good reasons. They all had different reasons, just as Abraham and Lot. When you consider Abraham and Lot, God called Abraham, Lot just followed. And the disciples, I mean, we're not just talk, not talking about the 12 disciples necessarily. You have to remember at the time whenever Jesus was uh, crucified, you remember he went into the upper room? Wasn't it originally 500 that Jesus met in the upper room? So by the time it got to the day of Pentecost, what was there, 150? So they all followed for different reasons. Some followed Jesus because of his miracles. Mark 4, 41 says, And they feared exceedingly and said to one another, How, Who can this be that even the wind and the sea obey him? They came to him as they were. Some followed him, Jesus, for his power. Acts 1, 6 says, Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? They wanted to see the throne established on the earth. The, the Romans kicked out. They wanted to see the king reigning. Some followed Jesus purely for excitement. Luke 10, 17 says, Then the 70 returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. Some followed Jesus for position. Mark 10, 37, they said to him, grant us that we may sit one on your right hand and the other on your left hand in glory. We might have a position. Some follow Jesus for provision. John 6, 13, it says, therefore they gathered them up and filled 12 baskets with the fragments of the five barley loaves which were left over by those who had eaten. They came whatever way they were. However you come to Jesus, don't, don't let where you are now dictate how you come to Jesus. Just come as you are. Come as you are. Oh, once I get this sorted or that sorted, then I'll be more serious about God. Once I free up a bit more time in my life, then I'll spend a bit more time in the Word. Or then I'll spend a bit more time praying. Once I, you know what, I'll get an app. An app that'll remind me, I'll set an alarm, and it'll remind me every, every night, half, no, 10 minutes. I'll spend 10 minutes in prayer. Just come to Jesus as you are. Come as you are. I think of another king in the Old Testament this time, David. Whenever he was, he was anointed to be king, he was chosen to be king, and he went to the cave of Abdullam. 1 Samuel 22, 22, it says, David left Gath and escaped to the cave of Adullam. When his brothers and his father's household heard about it, they went down to him there. All those who were in distress, in debt, or discontented gathered around him, and he became their commander. But they didn't wait till they had it all sorted before they came to the king. They just went, come to the king. This is going to make a difference in your life. Spend time with the king. It will change your life. It will transform your life. As I said at the beginning there, Mark 4, 19, it says, Jesus said to Simon and Peter, follow me and I will make you. Follow me and I will make you. 
What a promise. I, I know I'm not what I need to be. I know I'm not where he wants me to be. But he said to me, follow me and I will make you. I'll do that change in your life. If you've got a heart after him, if you hunger and thirst for righteousness, you will be filled. You'll be satisfied. You'll be changed. Follow me and I will make you. Don't wait another day. Don't wait for a better time in your life. When I've got a bit more time, when the app kicks in, that's when I'll start to pray. When the app kicks in, then I'll start to read the Bible. Don't wait for it. Don't wait for it. Don't wait for something else. Don't be that eternal, the eternal dietitian, dietary person who's eternally saying, tomorrow the diet starts. I've just blown it today. I may as well wait till tomorrow and I'll eat better tomorrow and I won't eat smart today. So I may as well have some more pies. Tomorrow comes. Oh, I've blown it. Oh, you know what? I had a, uh, I had a Fredo and then I had another Fredo. And then I had a chocolate bun. And then I had something else. So the diet's not going to be done today. I'll do it tomorrow. So I may as well have another Fredo. I may as well have another bun. This is important stuff. Why wait? God knows what we're like. He knows where we are. You may as well get in his presence as quick as you can. You may as well. Get in there and then you can repent. Don't repent and just wait. I'm going to wait until I feel something. Don't even bother. You'll never feel anything. Because the old flesh, the flesh will rise up and the spirit will be tampered down. And you'll go, I don't feel anything except hunger. I, I feel a strong desire for, oh, dark chocolate oh, and a coffee. Oh, glory to God. That'll be wonderful. Wait, don't wait. Get into his presence. Seek the king, an audience with the king of kings. It's open to us all. Just as we are, run to his presence. Don't wait for anything. Don't let anything get in your way. Be serious about it. Be serious about it. He'll change your life. He'll change your heart. Boy, his spirit will move within you and people will see it. People will recognize, oh, he must, there's something about them. Something about, you know what? This world needs to see people like that. This world needs to see people like that. On fire for him. I want more of God. I want more of Jesus in my life. The king has given me an invitation. Why should I wait? The king has invited me. Why should I wait? Praise the Lord. We all know very well the that it, second point that in the presence of the king, he will give you a new garment to wear. Isaiah 61.10 talks about, I will greatly rejoice in the Lord, for my soul will be joyful in my God, for he has clothed me with the garments of salvation. He has covered me with the robe of righteousness. As a bridegroom decks himself with ornaments and as a bride adorns herself with her jewels. So he has given us the garments of salvation and the robe of righteousness. It's wonderful. It's not something that we could earn, but as we come to the king, he will start to dress us right. 
I'm not talking about physical dress. I'm talking about how he clothes us. You can see someone who walks along, who carries a bearing, who carries a presence about them. And you see someone who carries a different type of presence about them, a different type of bearing. Different, they've, been, they've been with a different type of king. They've been with a different type of king who's given them a dirty, dirty garments to wear, filthy garments to wear, given them garments of fear, given them garments of depression, they've given them garments of anxiety, he's given them garments of confusion. But I thank the Lord that he has given us garments of salvation Amen. and a robe of righteousness Amen. that I can, I can come into his very presence, glorify God, Hallelujah. praising God. It's wonderful. In Mark 20, Matthew 22, sorry, there's that well-known story where Jesus is talking to the disciples and he tells the story about the king whose son was getting married and he's going to have a, a, a fabulous banquet, a fabulous feast for people. And he sends out the invites to all those who would be uh, the natural attendees of the wedding. And he sends out the invites and they all go, I've got something better to do. I can't quite make it. And the king turned around and he says, right, okay, I'm sending my servants out. They're going to go and get people in. Are you going to get, I'm going to get people in who are going to come into the, the banquet and are going to come into my presence. So he starts to bring people in and he starts to fill up the, the banqueting hall. And as the king mingled with the, 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 the attendees, as he walked through the crowds, he sees one person there who, was wearing, who wasn't wearing their wedding garments. And the king was angry. And the king cast him out. You could see him gathering his soldiers and get him out. Get them out. Coming into the presence of the king requires a commitment. It requires a commitment. See, in this story that someone has snuck in another way, they had come a different way. They're like, oh, you know, they didn't arrive when they were told to arrive. They didn't come through the main entrance. They climbed over a wall or something, and they just thought, I'll get in there. Sure, he invited everyone. I'll get in, and I'll get some food. Oh, sure, I'll just wear whatever I want. I'll just go however I am. And the king seen them, and he went, you haven't committed. You haven't, you haven't made a decision. You haven't come the way that you were told to come. Yes, come just as you are, but you're coming to commit to God. When the disciples came to God, when they came to Jesus, he said, follow me. What does it say? They left all that they had and they followed him. Left all that they had and they followed him. I pray that this decade we see more commitment in our hearts, in our lives, where we can be seriously dedicated to following him, committed, not just at the weekends, not just when it's convenient, but committed to him every day. Thirdly, in the presence of the king, our vision will be enlarged and enlightened. Our vision will be enlarged and enlightened. Mark chapter 8, 22 to 26, talks about the story of Jesus healing the man who was blind. Absolutely love the, love that, that, the story. And I love the verses around it. It's so significant, really. He heals the man, and as he touched him, it certainly says that he, he looked, and he says, I see men like trees walking. 
You remember that passage? You, you've, you've heard it before. You've read it. It's a, it's a wonderful passage. And then Jesus touches him again and he sees everything clearly. It's absolutely fabulous. I love the way Jesus had that way. And the king would come into a room and he would see someone who was ill and he says he went about doing good and healing all. I just love that idea. But when you look at the context of that, that verse, those verses, and you look at the passage, he just healed, or he just healed, he just fed, it, fed the 4,000. He'd fed them. And then the Pharisees arrive on the scene and they're sitting there and watching and they go, I know, I'd love to see a wee trick. I'd love to see him heal someone or do something. I'd love to see him turn something from this into that. Oh, I'd just love to see a wee miracle. Wouldn't it be great to see a wee miracle? They came with that sort of whimsical, offhand sort of attitude. Let's see, the, let's see this man do a trick. And Jesus warns the disciples about the leaven of the Pharisees, about their, their, their attitude and their, the way that they were interacting with him and the way that they interacted with the people and that the way they interacted with God himself. And after that, he heals the blind man. And he asked him, whom do you say that I am? See, the, spending time with the king, he will challenge us. He'll challenge the way we perceive things. He'll challenge our behaviors. He'll challenge how we interact with one another. He'll challenge it because he knows that this world has this way of clamping a helmet on us. I was speaking to the Sunday school and I brought him an American football helmet and it had a, a visor so you can see through and the world has that way of doing it. Clamps things on us to see things their way, to interact with our surroundings in the way that they deem appropriate and acceptable. But he has given us a helmet of salvation, which means that we will interact and see the world the way that he wants us to see the world, which is actually the true way of seeing it. Well, so we'll see it in a better way, the truer way than the way that the world wants to present it. So, the, so spending time with the king in his presence, he will challenge us. He'll challenge our preconceived ideas. He'll challenge our attitudes to one people or one, another people or one family or another family. And I think that's absolutely fabulous that he challenges us to think differently. He challenges the norms and accepted things of society. For these Jewish men, it was the position and authority of the Pharisees that was being challenged. You think those people are righteous? They're holy? You think they know God? They may know the scriptures, but they don't know God. Do not see the world as trees walking. Do not see the world merely as, and people, merely as things to get around, to get past or to use up but instead see them as they truly are. These are people who carry the very image of God. These are, everyone was made in God's image. Don't see them as the Pharisees, see them as things to get past and things to use. See them as, as, as image bearers of God. See them as souls, we can now look back and we can see them as souls that Christ has died for. Christ has shed his blood for them. It changes your interactions with people. It changes us and stretches us. It forces us to, to think of things and think of people in a different way. We need more of this type of truth in, in the world, never mind in the church. 
where we see each other as men and women who are created in the image of our Father God. This was a wonderful thing, even about the Ten Commandments, where it talks about him being our Father. You shall have no other God before you. So that way, if you have no other God before you, therefore we're all brothers and sisters, and we've all got the same God before us. So we're all worshiping the same God. So even if we don't all worship the same God, we all believe that we all have got one God. Therefore, we are all equal. Can't discredit an individual because of their background or because of their experiences or because of their race or because of the place that they were born in. See, in this way, the Jesus, the king, taught the brotherhood of all men. Didn't he identify the problem that all men had with sin? All men are equal before God. All men were born in sin. Expanded their thinking, expanded their minds, expanded their hearts. The old saying is a mind exposed to a new, a new idea will never return to its original shape. How true is that? Once we come into the presence of the king and he tells us that we're all the same and we've all got the same problem, we look at each other differently. I can remember us praying in the, in the prayer meeting. We're praying about our loved ones who are far from God, who are in rebellion against God. And I can remember praying and having that, not a vision, but having this idea in my head, oh, today they might feel like an enemy. I'm going to keep praying for them. I'm going to keep believing. I'm going to keep reaching out to them in love. And one day, one day they could be standing hand in hand with us in the, pulp, in the pew, worshiping God. One day. I don't, I don't know what it is. It might feel like an enemy, someone who hates me and hates everything that I believe in, but I'm going to keep praying for them. I'm going to keep believing. I'm going to keep reaching out and believe that that day will come, that they will be standing. Can you imagine? That person who was your most hated enemy is now standing in the love of God. Oh, what a wonderful reality. See how the king stretches us to think of things differently, to think of each other differently. Fourthly, in the presence of the king, you learn to use the currency of the kingdom. In the presence of the king, you learn to use the currency of the kingdom. Turn in your Bibles to John 14. John 14. I'm just going to read a couple of verses. John 14 says in verse 1, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And where I go, you know, and the way you know. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know how, uh, we do not know where you're going and how can we know the way? And Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Hebrews eleven six says, But without faith it is impossible to please him. 
For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. I think most of us here today have trusted Jesus with our salvation. We have faith that he was going to save us, that his sacrifice on Calvary was enough to cover the darkness and the blackness of my sin. I think we all stand on that ground today. I think we also stand on the ground where we go, in eternity we will be with him. In eternity we'll be in heaven with him and we will worship him and there'll be no more sorrow, there'll be no more grief, there'll be no, there'll be no more sadness, there'll be no more pain, there'll be no more suffering. And I think I, I, we all agree that we can stand on, in faith and we can believe that. What about the bit in the middle? What about the bit in the middle? Can we have faith to believe him today? Faith to trust him today? To trust him? To trust that he has got good plans for our lives? To trust that he's going to look after us? To trust him that his ear will be open unto our cry? That we can call out to him? at a moment's notice. Trust that he will interact with us. Trust that he'll make a way where there is no way. Trust that he'll deliver us from some things that we're going through. Or do we just think, oh, he saved me then and he's going to do that in the future and the middle bit, I've just got to muddle through. I'll worship him and that's all. But when you spend time with the king, you realize that the king's resources, the king's abilities the king's authority. It has to run writ, run the full gamut of his kingdom. Now, I'm not talking, you know, hyper faith and all that type of thing, but I believe God can help us. I believe sometimes there's things we have to go through and experience because God, remember, we're on a journey to be more like him. We're on a journey to be refined to be more like Christ. I mean, how do you know God's, that, that God is going to provide for us unless we're in lack, unless we're struggling? How do you know he's going to heal us and touch us unless we've got something that we need healed and touched from? Now, we have to go through things sometimes to get to the other side so that we will learn to trust him more. I mean, look at the life of Job. I was telling Elizabeth there, I did a study, not, not today, in case you're, in case you're, you're wondering, I don't remember that conversation. <laughs> I was telling her a wee while ago, I was doing a study on the book of Job. The experiences of Job, wow! Get to the end of the book, he still has no clue what happened. He doesn't know anything about the enemy, the, the, the accuser of the brethren going before God. He doesn't know anything about that. God doesn't even explain that. Sometimes we'll go through things. We'll experience them, we'll struggle with them, but we'll get through them. And a decade will have passed and we'll be going like, wow, I didn't want to go through that. But you know what? I trust him more. Yeah. I believe him more. You know what? I might not be rich anymore. I might be broke. But you know what? There's a riches that this world knows nothing about. There's a prosperity that if you were to walk into that bank, that would laugh you out of it. <coughs> we're coming to the presence of a king. 
the old quote goes, you're coming before the, coming into the presence or coming before a king, large petitions with you bring. Lord, you know, I don't understand it, but get me through it. He'll get you through it. Lord, I don't understand it, but I pray that you'll help me. I need to get through this. I need an answer. You know, I need an answer. God still answers prayer. Sometimes he just gets us through it, and that's good. But sometimes he comes down and he delivers us from it. He delivers us from it. This decade, I want to see more deliverance. I'll be honest. I want to see more deliverance. I want to see more people set free. I want to see more bondages broken of our hearts and of our minds set free. I want to see more people worshiping God and not just sort of standing in the pew all sort of, yes, Lord, we worship you. Yes, great God. I want to see people set free. Set free. I could have gone on with the points. See, once I started this message, I could have gone on. There's so many points. In the presence of the king, there is freedom, glory. You know, you could could go, oh, it's wonderful, the things of God. (coughs) (coughs) Point number five. In the presence of the king, we learn how to go to war. Glory to God. We need to go to war. Definitely need to go to war. As I mentioned there about David, the unthroned king at the time, in the cave of Abdullam with those who were uh, in debt, those who were discontented, those who were in trouble, they became his mighty men. Second Samuel 23, I'm not going to read it. You read about how three of them heard that he wanted a drink from the well, and they fought their way through the enemy lines to the, to the town of Bethlehem, got some water and brought it back. They'd spent time with the king. He, he taught them how to go to war. He taught them how to, to go and uh, lay hands on things. And Jesus, the king of kings, he taught us how to go to war as well. Matthew 17, 19. Then the disciples, when they came to Jesus privately and said, why could we not cast it out? Talking about the person who was, who was possessed. And so Jesus said to them, because of your unbelief, for assuredly I say to you, If you have faith as a mustard seed, you shall say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. However, this kind does not go out except by prayer and fasting. Jesus said to his disciples, and he was telling that not every spiritual battle would be easy. Some would require them to persevere and to fight through not just the spiritual darkness, but also their carnal natures, spending time in God's word, meditating on it, soaking our souls in it, praying to God. These are, these are difficult things. As Johnny said last, last week, he talked about that struggle and that, that conflict in our souls that we, 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 we struggle with those things, those nature and that desire. But we have to push through the pain, push through the difficulty persevere in these things. We have to press in and press on. You can't hope to walk into a room, not that we, we, we're aware very often of people who are possessed, but you can't hope to walk into a room and cast out a demon out of someone if you've been living like the world Monday through Friday. 
You can't expect to go into your room and, and, and share the gospel with a friend or a colleague if you haven't been getting the word into your soul. Because if you go into your room, you'll just be coming in and you might have the verses. But see, if you go in and you've prepared your soul, you prepared yourself, you got into the word, you're ready for what's ahead. The Holy Spirit can quicken things to you, can make things more alive to you and make it more uh, alive to the other person. Because the Holy Spirit will communicate with through you and will bring that truth to them. So not every spiritual battle that we face will be easy. I mean, Jesus' life on this earth, we look at it and we see time and time again the, the spiritual battles he went through. I mean, it's remarkable, actually, when you think about it. I thought of this this morning as I was meditating. And I thought, you know, Jesus alone in the wilderness with, with the devil, the temptation. The disciples knew about it. He told them. It's recorded in Matthew, Mark, and uh, Luke. So he's actually told them. He said, you know, I, the devil came to me. Here's what he offered. This is what he did. This is how I responded. So they're aware of it. Yes, there might have been a bit of a copy over. Luke was actually getting a eyewitness testimony. He wasn't there, obviously. But he told them about it. There's spiritual battles out there. There's things that we're going to have to press in and spend more time with God. We're going to have to fight through. Number six, in the presence of the king, we learn servanthood. John 13, 14 to 16. Remember Jesus washed the feet of the disciples? uh, Number seven, in the presence of the king, we learn grace and forgiveness. Matthew 18, 21, it says, Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times. Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. We need to spend more time in the presence of the king. We need to spend more time with him. can't let this decade just brush by and think I'm just going to keep on ticking over we can't afford to really 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 cannot afford to let just things pass on by tick off the days on the calendar the weeks on the calendar we need to spend more time with God spend more time getting to know him spend more time letting him change us spend more time actually living that way it's okay just knowing it we have to live it we have to actually walk as though we are servants of God and servants of the king yes we talk about pastor he is a servant of God in this house but we are also called to be servants of God we talk about the, 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 the collection the royal priesthood a holy nation each one of us is required by almighty God to live as if we were a child of God as if we were a citizen of heaven as if we actually believed what we say we believe. Not just to go through the motions, tick the calendar, I've done my wee religious bit for the week. 
I've come and I have culturally held up our culture. It's not good enough. Not good enough. Not for this generation. Not for this world. This world needs to see men and women who are, are willing to, to stand up for what they believe. Who stand up and say that there is no other name higher than the name of Jesus. And actually mean it. Not just say it as a cliche, as a tagline on your Facebook post or your Twitter account. To be something you actually believe. You don't demonstrate that by going and sort of liking this or liking that. We demonstrate that by living it every day. The people will then look at us as they looked at Peter and John and said, those people are different. There's something about them. Who's this Jesus they're talking about? I mean, in China right now, they've got people coming to, to Christian churches, home groups, who are, who are communist. They've brought up with no religion and they're coming to these churches, or these gathering of believers, and they're asking them, so tell me, why, why is this Jesus illegal? Why is it, why are we not, we're not permitted to read this Bible? They live it. There's something about them that's different to believers over there. We've got too many other things. This decade, I pray that God moves us. God shakes us. I pray that God sets us on fire. The fire of God kindles within our soul and spirit. We get an insatiable hunger for him, an insatiable desire to hear from God. Not just to come and sing songs, but to come and to worship God. Not just to come and hear our favorite preacher or our favorite illustration or, oh, he'll be funny, he'll be entertaining. But to hear from God Almighty. See, it doesn't matter if who was speaking today. It didn't matter who was speaking last week or next week. If we came with the attitude, I want to hear from God. God will do whatever he can to get something to you, to get a word to you. It might be a nugget of gold, as Rosine speaks about. It might be a nugget of gold, a wee bit of something. I might be panning for it here all day, but I'll get something. Amen. And it's wonderful that God makes the way where there was no way. It's wonderful that God promised that he will satisfy us. And he'll meet us wherever we are. We are privileged this morning. We know the real king, the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And we can come to him at any time. So the disciples, they learned from the king that they could enter just as they were. They also learned that he would give them garments suitable for his kingdom in the presence of the king, that they would have their vision enlarged and enlightened, that they would learn about the currency of the kingdom, trusting him, believing in him, having faith in him, that he would teach us how to go to war. In the presence of the king, we would learn about servanthood and serving one another and serving God. In the presence of the king, we would learn about grace and forgiveness. That's what it does to us. That's how the presence of God or the presence of the King in our lives changes us. And it doesn't matter where we are. He can take us further. He can take us deeper. 
He can become more real to us and give us a word in season. Thank you for listening to this podcast. We produce a variety of sermon videos and inspiring Christian content available for free on our YouTube channel. Just go to YouTube and search Moira Pentecostal or visit our website for more information, www.mpc.org.uk.